Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. I am your host, Louis McCaffrey, and this week I'm joined by the greatest panel, greatest panel that's ever been assembled in, in my view. Um, first up, we've got Christopher Samani. Samani, how are you? How are you doing? Terrific, Louis. Thank you for having me on the greatest podcast on the 90 Minute Cynic next to our own. It's always a pleasure. It's good for the, the Cynic Weekly back. It is the podcast of the masses and uh, looking forward to this. Uh, it's it's um it's good to be back in the old iTunes, you know what I mean? I used to have a bit of a you know, a big thing about the iTunes and the Patreon kinda of took us away from that. But we're back at the Cynic Weekly, so yep, let's get back involved. We're also joined by Paul Carlin. Louis, thanks very much for the invite, mate. It's uh, it's nice to get out from behind the paywall and onto the, the real Cynic podcast. Aye, I mean, you, you feel a wee bit dirtier after it, but it's, it's good. It's a Nothing good wrong experience, that, Nothing wrong with that. It's Absolutely. great to be here. Absolutely. Um, and another, you know, kind of Patreon headliner, it's uh, Stuart Duggan. Hello, Louis. Thanks very much for having me. No, thanks. Thanks for being here. So um, before we start, we have a, a giveaway in conjunction with Time to Tackle. As some of you might already know, Time to Tackle was launched in October 2019 by husband and wife Erin and Siobhan Connolly to help people tackle poor mental health, poor physical health, stigma and loneliness using the power of football and peer support. Following Erin's long battle with his mental health, he attempted suicide in April 2019 and the couple decided during their recovery they would like to help others through the difficult moments life can throw at them. Outside of lockdown, Time to Tackle runs inclusive weekly football sessions in Glasgow and their work is steadily growing to help more people across Scotland tackle the reality and stigma of poor mental health. Erin and Siobhan have put together some care packages during this difficult period and The Cynic has 10 to distribute to people who might appreciate some support at this time. We want you to get in touch via Twitter at 90MinuteCynic or email editor at 90MinuteCynic.com to nominate a friend or family member who you would like to receive one of these. First 10 folk to get in touch with details will get them sent out to your chosen nominee. At The Cynic, we hope to work more closely with Time to Tackle over the coming months and hope that you're all taking care of yourselves. Okay, so we're going to start um, this week with the, obviously the kind of biggest news and, and you know, Celtic world right now is the information that came out in the last couple of days about the season ticket renewals. Um, obviously, it's been a bit of a kind of unknown quantity for a while. Um, how the club were going to deal with season tickets um, during the whole the fact that you know we're going to have some number of games behind closed doors. Will it be the full season? Will it be half a season? Will we even be back in maybe by the end of the year? We 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 don't know. Um, the club don't know, and they've got to they've got to come up with something, um, put something in place because obviously the season ticket money um, is a massive thing, massive part of the revenue, uh, but it's also a massive thing to to us fans as well. We want to we want our season tickets, or you know, we want to know where we stand with things. So this week there was a bit more information came out. Obviously, they had announced that there was going to be a streaming service. Uh, they've got the production team um, in from BT, which everybody kind of regards the BT coverage as being very good and certainly far and away better than uh, Sky, like Sky Sports have, have produced. Uh, so they've got the same production team involved. 
um, and they're going to stream the games that you know, unfortunately are going to be behind closed doors and, and season ticket holders won't be able to get to. The main issue um, we've found out in the last few days is basically there's no refund for any games that are streamed. So if you've got your season ticket, you've had it for years and years, you've got to renew at full price. There is no discount. Um, and despite the fact that you could potentially go the whole season and not actually visit Celtic Park, you've still got to pay full whack. Um, with the little caveat that you'll get to watch the game on your laptop or on your phone um, if you've paid all that money. Uh, one of the there's there's loads of stuff to talk about with us, and I'm sure everybody's got their own opinion on whether this is a fair deal or not. There's been quite a lot of debate on Twitter and social media. I think some people um, obviously have got pretty strong opinions in, in both ways. I think more today, I've seen quite a few people kind of back in the club, um, weirdly. Um, but one of the main issues as well is also the fact that you could have multiple season ticket holders in the one house um, and they're going to be watching the stream possibly on one TV. So there's a whole lot to it. Um, I'll start off. I personally, um, I think it's a bit of a bum deal, to be honest with you. I think it's... Um, I think the season ticket holders are being shafted a bit. I think, you know, don't get me wrong, Celtic's a PLC, they're a business. And although we we are fans to them, we are customers, we're paying customers. Um, and sadly, I think they put the the financial side of, you know, of Celtic ahead of fans and doing what's best for them. And I'm not a current season ticket holder, although I did just... Um, recently add myself to the waiting list of which there are over 8,000 people on that waiting list um, which might come into it as well but you know I think if I was a season ticket holder I would right now I'd be pretty annoyed about all this so Manny have you got a season ticket just now do you want to tell us your your thoughts on this yeah I've got a season ticket Um, and broadly speaking on the point about what the club are doing is You've hit the nail on the head. They're a business. They're a PLC. And in terms of supply and demand, they've hit the absolute sweet spot here. For every guy or woman or child out there who decide not to renew, they've got a backup waiting list, assuming the figures are accurate, of several thousand people. Now, they know that they can do this right now because we're going for 10 in a row. And most Celtic fans are going to say, who's going to give their season ticket up? in the run-up and the possibility that we could, you know, we, we could achieve history. It's what this club's been basically building towards for a number of years now. We've talked about it in this podcast, other Patreon podcasts, about how this is all-consuming. But what they've done is they've completely misjudged the mood in society, I think. Now, we're in this position. There's probably thousands of season ticket holders who are currently furloughed. Not only are they maybe not getting their full wage, they don't know what's going to happen in the next coming months. And they've misunderstood how much money a season ticket is in terms of overall free expenditure for people. Now, the, there's other models out there. You've, you've seen Motherwell who um, have said that people will get some money back uh, in terms of games they don't go to. But the club have basically viewed this and I think they thought the overwhelming overwhelming feeling of the support would be let's give the club all the money 
that they need because we need to keep Eddie. We need to retain Forster. We need to get him back. We need to do everything we can on this charge. And I don't think I do think the club thought it would be more of a cuddly atmosphere where people were making a level of sacrifice for the greater good of going for 10 in a row. I think they've completely misjudged it. Now, see for a club of our size and in our league and our predicament, I understand how much of our money is generated from match day tickets, match day ticket sales and merchandise and pies and all that at the game. But see for a club built on a charitable foundation and, and you know, this level of philanthropy that you get from the Celtic Foundation and things like that. They're completely missing the current situation that a lot of working class people out there um, just now are going through. There's a level of uncertainty. And I think if the tone had been better and there had been some concession, you can stream some of these games, but we'll give you a percentage back if you can't go. Something like that. It may have been a sweeter pill for a lot of people to swallow, but there's far too many people out there who are pointing out that this just looks like brazen greed. And the very the, the main point that you make, the fact is there could be four season ticket holders, five season ticket holders in one house. They're going to sit around one TV and there's no recomp- recompense for them in that circumstance. Complete misjudging of the situation. Um, and I think it's a bit of an own goal. Yeah, I think I think you're you're pretty right to be honest. I think <clears throat> so. I'm not a season ticket holder; haven't been for many years. Um, but it's so disappointing, and not not as someone that's directly affected by it, like a season ticket holder would be. But it's so disappointing to see how the club have handled it. Now, I think that you have to be realistic that the club, all clubs, are in a really difficult position with how they approach this season, how they approach the season ticket system, everything like that. And you're quite right that they're a business and they've, they've probably looked at it from a very business perspective, but it really strips out, I think it really goes against what the club's about, kind of like what you've said, but it strips out all the emotion of it. There's people that have had season tickets there for decades that maybe won't be able to retain their seat because they either can't afford it or it's, it doesn't represent value for money for them to do that. Especially when you're talking about families that go together, people that have multiple tickets for one household and to not even to not have anything to even even if the if they were going to try and charge everyone full whack and say look certain concessions have to be made that if you if you live in in the same house as someone else then perhaps there's x opportunity to to claim back but to just like brass neck it and go so we're really sorry unprecedented times and play that card is really really poor uh, and I also feel like essentially the whole thing is just gambling on perhaps maybe seeing the way that COVID and coronavirus is trending and thinking that they might be able to get fans back in sooner than maybe worst case scenario, which would have been like next year at some point. And I think that that's really reckless as well. And I think there's a couple of indicators in that, just the fact that they are willing to take what does appear to be quite an unfair stance, just saying, oh, for any... It doesn't look like it's it's a system that's set up to be played the whole season behind closed doors. And it also doesn't take into account non-season ticket holders. And I just feel like, yes, it's an incredibly difficult predicament. I don't think this is the fairest way to do it. I think the club are missing an opportunity, perhaps in terms of revenue streams, but they may have their hands tied by television deals somewhere or what they've been told they're allowed to do. And then the very, very least that they could have done was perhaps put this information across with a little bit of 
care or attention or tenderness or, or at least understanding. And all they've done is just gone. So that's it. And uh, they're just going to put the hard hats on and ride it out. And you're quite right. Take advantage of 10 in a row and take advantage of, of the fact that there's 8,000 people that will come and take your seat if you don't want it. And I think that's really, really horrible. And it's so unbelievably frustrating that Celtic seem to just do this so frequently, these PR own goals that are now, you know, when you just want everyone to be unified and moving towards such an important and historic season, you've got everyone kind of at each other's throats and the, the fans aren't happy with the club and it'll come out against the board. And then if the board don't strengthen the team, it's just an extra thing. And it's all a sideshow. And I, I just wish they'd handled it better. See, just just before you come in, Paul, <clears throat> I think what's also come out in the last few days is there's a lot of people who previously weren't going to apply for the refund for the few games of last season. And I think the mindset, no, that was also an individual decision. There's some people that could ill afford not to knock back whatever the amount they're going to get back. But there's some people who may have that extra bit of disposable income who are going to leave it with the club for the greater good in terms of what we're going to do next season. I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot of people now turning around and going, you know what? No chance. Put their form in to get the refund for this season because it's become more apparent, it's become more nakedly apparent that we are a cash cow for the club and that um, we're expendable. Uh, and, and people who would who would have just let it go there have now said, no, you know, you've taken it too far. I need to prove a point here and that they're going to apply for that refund. You've all made absolutely exact points I was going to make. Just a couple more to add to that. Um, I had a season ticket for a couple of seasons, but um, I am freelance. I work freelance now, so I gave it up uh, just at the start of last season. And again, if it was if that was me again this year, there's no absolutely no way I'd be able to, um, to pay that. Uh, like a lot of freelancers and a lot of people that... Uh, don't earn much or again who are furloughed I think yeah they've definitely missed the, the point with the message you know it, our cause our culture our calling picture of Eddie and all the promos for it you know they're going they're going for the heartstrings but completely disregarding that that the mood of the people like our hearts are more concerned with staying alive staying healthy jobs families family members that are you know they're they, having to maintain social distancing that that's one point i think the the financial strain you guys have gone into it in good detail there but a family of five if you're looking at like two grand for the five of you to sit around and watch 21 games on a laptop or on your telly because we don't know exactly how these games are going to be delivered to us either that's that's prohibitive prohibitive for not getting that match day experience i think also celtic are they're hedging their bets on us reaching Scotland, reaching phase four of coming out of lockdown. But in phase one, we don't even know if we're going to get to phase two in the next, what, 10 days, I think it is. And final point on this for me is that Celtic do this time and time again. They really know how to suck the joy out of situations. You know, I think football for a lot of people is going to be a real sense of relief and release through this awful pandemic. You know, a wee bit of light, um, even if it is behind closed doors. But you're slapping this price on it that I think the majority of people just can't afford. And like you, Louie, I've seen quite a lot of folk anecdotally today just saying, "Okay, I'll just pay it because maybe, you know, maybe the club need my money. Let's not forget that 
there's a billionaire owner who absolutely yeah. could just you know what what's a, what's a few million to him? Yeah, it, it just it, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth, and I think it, it was an opportunity to do something quite cool and really connect with supporters. I feel really sorry for uh, John Paul Taylor, the uh, supporter liaison officer. He was pitching plenty on Twitter yesterday, and you know, to, to his credit, did a good job with his hands tied. I guess. Am I right in thinking that the Celt- it's the Celtic TV package, if you're outside of the UK and Ireland, is around £250, something like that? Yeah. And so they're expecting people to pay £600 for, for what, Daryl Curry? Like, I mean, that's ridiculous. I presume that yeah. if the Celtic TV is something that needed scaled up anyway, it needed improved, people have talked about technical issues. And see, to be honest, that's something that we've not even addressed, the fact that that your season ticket that people could have had for years and it's going to cost them better part of 600 quid. Some people don't have like adequate streaming services or tech savvy to do something like that. And to not, I mean, I'm sure they'll offer some kind of cute little video about how to go about doing it, but it's an extra financial burden on some people if they think, oh, I don't have a laptop or I don't have a computer or I don't have fast enough internet. So they're paying 600 pounds for like a really shitty quality stream. It's scandalous. And it, it, I, does, it, it does almost feel like the the club is asking its fans to support it rather than the other way around. I mean, our club should be supporting it should be supporting the fans, the people in the stands that are going through a difficult time. When in reality, they're saying, "No, you just get your money out and keep us keep us at the levels that you know we're already at." I mean, I it just it, it it feels very backwards. The the point you make, Stuart, about the you know. Celtic TV and things I think there's also a whole bunch of stuff to talk about with regards to that in terms of you know it, it says that it, the new the new streaming service will be entirely separate from Celtic TV although Celtic TV will be benefiting from the new partnership with the production company so you know you're not you're not getting everything else that comes with Celtic TV as part of this this is literally just the games and that's it. Um, and yet you've still got to pay full work, still pay more money than what you would for Celtic TV or, or anything else. It just doesn't seem value for money in many ways. They can't dress up. They can't dress up what it is. This this should be the least. This should be the least worst addition to the season ticket. This should be the least worst solution for people not being able to go into the, the, the stands. And it should be done at a discount. I mean, I can't. I, I can't help but when I'm thinking about this, think about it's not only about opening up the the society again. And Paul's saying we're in phase one. We might not go to phase two on in, in the 18th or whatever it is. But it, it, it's the, the potential what happens after um, society does open up again. People are going to lose their jobs. There's going to be there's going to be a number of firms in the hospitality industry and, and things like that, particularly at risk, the airline industry. We can see that there's going to be job losses there. We've seen job losses in places like Rolls Royce. So the, the broader point here I'm making is they're still asking people, Celtic fans in society here, to pay what they normally pay. And we know that there's a huge level of uncertainty going forward. So the fact of the matter is they're still going to need to ask them. And Celtic fans are still going to make the money and find the money to do that. But there's been no concession. The tone is terrible. There's been nothing, no thought process around that. It's just, let's go for 10 in a row. You need to back the team without 
judging what's happening now and what's going to happen in the coming months. It's it's a grim situation. And as I said, see if they'd made some gesture on it. See, for every game you don't get in, you get this off and you get this back. Now, I think some people would have went, yeah, right, okay, that's fair enough. I still get to see the game, uh, but I get a bit more money in my pocket. This just seems so hard-nosed and it's... it. I, it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth to be perfectly honest. I think that you're, when you're talking about, or rather, it seems like the party line is these are unprecedented times. So, you know, you don't want the club to struggle financially, do you? Like, you, you wouldn't want to risk your club going out of business, anything like that. That seems to be the sort of stance that they're taking and, and, and dismissing the individual needs or concerns of their fans. I think that I know we'll come on to talk about transfers and where the where the team is just now on a, on a more personnel level and I think that most Celtic fans are realistic about how this summer is going to be where they're not looking to be spending seven eight nine ten million pounds this season is going to be mostly about retaining our best players Edward Ayer those are the kind of big names that are being thrown around sell Eddie and the fuck yeah well essentially you can't, yeah. can't do that nah so so there's that and then I think yeah. <laughs> I think I think that people are aware that perhaps there is going to be more of these kind of moves for players like Hickey and, and like Turnbull in Scotland. And I think that Celtic fans would be more tolerant of that given the situation that we're in where you can't go spending £7 million on a Julienne potentially to flop, for example. So that's kind of the level of tolerance that I think fans would have for this season. But to just not take into account their own financial needs is I think it's just shameful. There's a, I read through the sort of FAQs, a four-page FAQ Celtic put out yesterday, and I mean, it answers a lot of questions, but does it actually answer a lot of questions? There's a few points in it where they, they mention something that they're calling additional value to supporters, right? And no idea what that yeah. is. Louis, what, could, I, I, what is it? <laughs> I know, it's a, a term with absolutely no, no detail. Hey, it might be us. <laughs> Imagine That's, that. Could, what's the opposite could, of additional value? <laughs> you could have cynic Sundays. You get you get to come along a meet and greet with us at the stadium. I mean, that'd be worth the money. So we've just we've just slated the club for their approach to this. But if they wave the checkbook under Louis' nose, he's right in there. Listen, we're all, we're, we're all sniffing off of that checkbook. It's just it, yeah. I think it does leave a bad taste, and I don't know what the, the club is going to do to fix it because. Once again, the the fans aren't treated like fans. The fans are treated like customers, and the 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 link between Celtic fans and the club there's a barrier in between. There's always been a barrier, um, and it, this is not helping one bit. Just just on the on the point of added value, that feels so much like a kick the can down the road sort of little clause, where if there was to be a full meltdown about this, they can go. Oh shit! Okay, right. We really had better add some value now. And but what what can that potentially be if they're not willing to reduce the ticket price? They can't. They're not in a position where like they could offer you European football or anything like that. So what if Celtic I mean, qualify? What what about an exclusive the Quilter gig? Mate, you know if, I mean? if, if the Quilter could put on a gig, I'd absolutely have it. That's that's. For it, sure. may, it may have to be Zoom based, but it it's only for season be. ticket holders. A voucher for eight pound off a pie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can get half a pie then. <laughs> or whatever. So it, it'll be some none. What? Maybe 
Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, but I'm assuming that will be some tokenistic nonsense. Just very quickly before we go on, because I want to talk about the obviously non-season ticket holders and, and their access to games in a wee second, but very quickly, what would be what would have been the number one thing that you would have liked to have seen? We're all in different positions, either got a season ticket or not, or on the waiting list or whatever. What would have been the concession? What would have been the one thing that you think would have been the best way to go? I would say um, one fee, maybe a f- one fee per household. Say you make it two hundred and fifty pound for the season for one household. I'm just like that's just off the top of my head. That doesn't seem absolutely insane compared to a family of five having to pay upwards of two grand to watch games in the laptop. So just some sort of some sort of concession, financial concession to fans. I per- personally, I would. For me, I think there has there has to be some way of keeping your seat. If you've had your seat for a long time, you've got to be able to pay some sort of money to guarantee that that's not going to be lost to you. And then obviously have some sort of discounted payment. The the biscuit tin on the, the Patreon, there is a, a series called The Biscuit Tin that kind of looks at the financial side of, of football and, and specifically Celtic. Um, and... Uh, they were talking about, I think Martin mentioned, um, what did he mention? This just went straight out of my head. What was I saying before that? Someone else. Something about money. You all right? <laughs> so, something about money and it just went straight out of my head. Um, he's thinking about getting this cynic gig. It's part I know. Of his additional value. He's got pound signs floating through his head. You got a manager yet, Stuart? You got a manager? I think we found him. Oh, yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, it could be. Um, no, I can't mind where I was going with that. Well, I think I think your point about being able to retain your seat is a massive one because if there are people that, for obvious reasons, are not financially able to pay that, and they have to give give their season ticket up, then that's a crying shame. Especially if it's it's been there for for years and if they've been sitting there for years and then they move to the back of a queue, that's shocking. Also, the other thing when you're talking about what what price point do you put on a streamed game of football? When you look at pay-per-view models, so you know we've talked about UFC events or boxing events and big boxing events. Samani, so, how much would like if uh, Anthony Joshua fights? What's that on pay-per-view? Um, talking out about twenty-five quid. That might go to thirty, but twenty-five thirty quid. Twenty-five thirty quid. So obviously, for an event like that, you're paying for six or seven hours worth of entertainment, albeit within the context of boxing, you're really only paying for the main event. I would imagine that Celtic would probably be able to charge around 20 quid-ish a game if it was a Glasgow derby. See, trying to Celtic-Hamilton or something like that, asking someone to pay 25, 30 quid or more to just watch it on their laptop is not on, especially when we live in a culture where everyone can access whatever they want, whenever they want. They've got Netflix, six, seven, eight pounds a month. Why should you pay 30 or 40 pounds to watch 90 minutes of football? Yeah, And especially when... And I think there's an inevitability about it. They can safeguard it as much as they want, but there's always going to be piracy. There's always going to be streams that will pop up from somewhere. And so you're shafting your own fans when, for what? Or or rather, if you want to come on and talk about non-season ticket holders, if I'm not able to get a stream, if I'm not able to, to access the game or to pay the club, then I'm going to try and find some other way to access it. I remembered what I was going to say. You'll be pleased <laughs> to know. Um, Martin had spoke about how they might... You know, they could charge fans for the full price of the ticket initially and then 
guarantee that any game that they don't get to see will be refunded, possibly at the end of the year or at the midway point or something like that. I think that coupled with paying a fee to reserve your seat and have that not sold on, I think that would have been a kind of way to go. Um, as Stuart mentioned there, kind of segue into non-season ticket holders, you know, we all want to watch the games. As you say there, you know, there's there's ways and means. Um, every group chat's got a Sarmani that can hook, hook you up with a, with a link to a, a stream or something, you know what I mean? Allegedly, that's a serious, Allegedly. serious ac- accusation. <laughs> um, but, you know, this everything that came out this week kind of makes it seem as if this service that they're putting together is not going to be available because it's a pretty much an exclusive for, you know, it's the thing that's going to get people to, to buy their season tickets. So you can't then offer it to everybody. One of the things I was thinking was, you know, one possible way around it, and I don't know, there's probably a very obvious reason why this wouldn't work, but if you've got a massive amount of people that aren't season ticket holders and can't get a season ticket but want to pay for your service, which it's probably quite a few of the cynics who don't have season tickets. Why could you not take the money that you would generate from those people and use that to give back to the season ticket holders? Therefore, you're taking a cut of a, a potential group of people that you wouldn't be able to get money from in the first place. You're also keeping your, you know, your your season ticket holders happy because they're getting a wee bit more cash back in their pocket, and the club's not really having to do much because the service is already there. Yeah, there's there's a number of ways that they that they could address this, and again, we're not coming on here to suggest a lot of them, but I think the principle of um, acknowledging that a stream is a diminished match day experience, a largely diminished match day experience. And for every game that we're not able to go to Celtic Park for and we view on a stream, there has to be a reduction, at least a reduction. I mean, say, for instance, what Gal buys quite a lot of match day tickets. I know Gal was at every game this season, I think, but he was buying them as, as an individual tickets. Because I've got a season book, I don't know how much a ticket is normally. I mean, what? Well, let's say... It's about 30 quid. I, 30 I bought quid. quite a lot last season, about 30 Aye. quid. 30 quid, right. So... And an acknowledgement that a stream is 15, I don't know, 50% worse. I don't, I don't know. I'm making figures up off the top of my head. But if you at least acknowledge that is not the same as going, and there was an acknowledgement that there's multiple season book holders in one household, and they then deducted those games in terms of what the package would be, I think a lot of people would have been happier about that. But the fact is that they've equated a stream to the same as going to a match is the real bone of contention here. So non-football fans making making assumptions on, on stuff, that's what it feels like. Like I think Motherwell are doing that. I think the Motherwell are offering refunds on matches that fans can't go to. But again, that's on a much smaller scale. They're not going to have 50,000 season ticket holders. Um, I just also wanted to say, like my last point on this, our cause, our culture, our calling, that sounds more like a Rangers thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Is that, does that just me? Just doesn't sound like a Celtic thing. It's a bit shy, especially when you know. Why not just put we're fucking gone for ten in the row, lads? Come on, Aye. yeah, you know, something a wee bit more down to earth. 
I would, I would, the last thing I would just like to say on it is that I would quite like the club to communicate why they're not able to offer a service for non-season ticket holders. And if it is because, like, what you've said is pretty spot on. See, if if they were to say, again, not, not knowing the figures off the top of my head, if they were going to say, like, non-season ticket holders, a stream is 20 quid or 25 quid, and season ticket holders get it for 10 or 15 quid or something like that, then season ticket holders have... Uh, an incentive to pay for the whole season because maybe I won't be able to watch a game and so I won't be I won't be able to pay that 25 quid but it's extra money that's coming in and there must be something that's that's prohibiting Celtic from doing that whether it's Sky or whether it's the provider or something like that because it seems like it, it would be foolish to not offer that kind of service when there must be a lot of money there and also just on the point of Motherwell I know that you're saying that they don't have 50,000 season ticket holders and so they're not liable to pay as much money back. But think about how crucial gate receipts and stuff like that are for smaller clubs. And they're they're staring in the face of financial oblivion, quite frankly, not knowing when you're going to get people back in. And they're still offering their fans a reduction and they're still willing to accept that people just wouldn't pay for that. So a club of Celtic stature to not even budge at all in terms of downsizing is is poor. Well, I think we've um, I think we've we've covered it pretty well. There, There's, the debate's going to kind of go on about it. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if there's any movement on it, if there's any more information coming out, especially about the added value items, um, which you know, ninety minutes I think are happy to um, fill that void. Talk to my manager. Talk to my manager. Um, so we'll we'll move on and talk about the actual football because we're back in training on Thursday. This is uh, Tuesday, a couple of days' time. The Celtic squad will be back um, at Lennox Town training in groups of five, I believe. I think Neil Lennon said that. They're in groups of five initially. Um, you know, there's groups that come in the morning, afternoon and evening, um, I think, at first. Um, but good to see that, the, you know, the players are getting back in the building and, and getting back in, I suppose, starting pre-season for a season that is hopefully going to start in August. Um, we've seen, I think, Ross County put out pictures today of um, players coming in and getting getting tested and all that. I'm not sure if I read this right, but is it right that Ross, only Ross County and Celtic have bought some equipment to actually verify the tests? I think they've they've you're using different kit from other clubs is what I'd heard, um, and the kit that we bought allegedly isn't, you know, it's not like buying it's 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 not like buying a Rolls Royce. It's maybe like buying a, a, a never da- would be with it a Datsun Solara or something like that. I don't even know if that's a real car anymore. Um, aye, so I think they they go they go on the Wednesday and they get tested on the Wednesday using this kit that may or may not work. And then if they pass the COVID test or fail the COVID test, then they get to come and train on Thursday in groups of five. Um, I think it's I think it's good for it's gonna be good for the players because they must be going spare. And I mean, I'm just kind of trying safety should be paramount in everything that Celtic are doing here, right? It should be the kind of driving force and everything. If it's all been done safely, um I mean, the players have been out of action for a very, very, very long time. And you know what it's like? See if you go running, like I go running. Louis, you're a runner. Um, I'm now. If I don't run like every sort of four or five days, I'm like back at the start 
pure just muscle memory gone. Forget it. I mean, these guys are better athletes than me for sure. But I think, yeah, the we don't have a date for the season to start back properly yet, I don't think. But um, I think it's going to be good for the players. It's going to be good for fans to see players training together because it does give us a wee bit of hope that we might actually get to see even a game behind closed doors at the moment would be better than better than anything, better than nothing. Absolutely. And there's, I think last on last week's show, we spoke a wee bit about... Um, players leaving because obviously we've had a number of players have, have went out the door already with contracts not being renewed and stuff this week I thought we'd have a look at um, people coming in you know we've been linked I've I, I done a quick Google search um, just before we came on and we're, we're linked to about four or five more names this evening and I even noticed earlier on the day um, the kind of main ones and by the sounds of it Celtic are saying that they're their strategy is to buy players that they already have scouted, that they already have quite a bit of information on or have watched. Um, the idea of going plucking a player um, when they can't go and watch them and all that sort of stuff, that's not going to happen. So obviously there's a lot of Scottish-based players, Aaron Hickey, David Turnbull, Scott McKenna, um, Lyndon Dykes, which is just awful. Um, no, absolutely not. Uh, anybody take any of them? Is it fair enough to assume that we we you know we shop local? They're all. I, I understand why they're doing that. It's, there's almost a safe pair of hands, better better the devil you know attitude to this season. I think the core thought process behind the club will be retaining most, if not all, of our key players. So getting Forster back will be a major. Um, a, one of the, I imagine that's one of the main targets for the season. Keeping Eddie, guys like uh, and Cham and, and McGregor, holding on to them, and then adding a bit to the squad in terms of player where the players have got a fair idea of how they're going to perform in the Scottish Premier League. I understand why they're doing that, but see a lot of the guys that we've talked about, Hickey, Hickey hasn't developed the way that they thought. You know, we thought he might have done at Hearts. I mean, any time. My main reference points games against us. I thought he's looked quite poor. Turnbull, you just don't know his knee injury. That's a real, real risk going for him. Uh, and McKenna, well, I know he divides the Celtic support. And I know he's shade. good in the air. He's, Fucking shade. He's good in the air and things like that. But he's not a guy that I'm particularly keen to sign. But it might be that, it just might be that, like, hold the fort. We know that these guys can perform to a certain level in the Premier League. So that's why we're going to do it. But the, the support might understand that, but there's risk attached to that because it's all very well doing it for one club. Greg Taylor performing very well for Kilmarnock. That doesn't mean you're going to be a good player for Celtic. No, it does not. Um, slight, slight dig at Greg Taylor there. Um, I, th- <laughs> I think um, I, I'm hopeful of, we, we've talked about this a little bit on some of the, the Patreon podcasts that, the worry for Celtic as you move into this quite bizarre transfer window is that players like Edward or like Ayer might be perceived as low-hanging fruit for bigger clubs that are I looking... I love that phrase. I don't know if you first came out with that, but I heard I, that I didn't, in another I, podcast. I heard, it a, couple, was I heard it a couple of years back and I was like, yoink. It was low-hanging fruit for me. I was like, that's my pattern now. Um, so, for example, a, a club like, I don't know, AC Milan or like a big Italian club that don't want to pay 50, 60, 70 million pounds or something, then they could go and pay 15, 20 for a player like Chris Iyer, for example, just because that's something that you've heard linked. Um, 
I'm hopeful that perhaps he's definitely low hanging fruit. He's 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 so low that fucking dogs push on him. Garbage. Nah, he's not. That's some. You ever you ever get that in the street? Like, I remember that in the street. Mum, like there would be a raspberry bush on the end of the road, and mum would be like, "Don't eat those ones. Are too low. Dogs will pee in them." <laughs> you used to go to a ruler, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you draw the line? <laughs> can eat new ones. Um, well, I'm hoping that in this metaphor that that's that's where Hickey is and that's where McKenna is, uh, and that there's maybe a comparison to be made that for Celtic players like a relegated Hearts or Aberdeen that are going to struggle financially are not going to be able to hold Celtic to ransom for five or six million or whatever it was they were suggesting for McKenna, which is just absurd. I think if there's an just opportunity... Just walk, just walk in, Stuart, and be like, fucking gaze him. There's a million. We're going to take him now, and that's that. Aye. Especially with Turnbull. They're going to lowball the shit out of Motherwell for Turnbull after all that. Nonsense. <laughs> Fucking uh, can't wait for that. I can't wait for that. So there, there might be an opportunity to strengthen the squad in terms of numbers or in terms of just depth, I suppose, because whilst McKenna, I definitely wouldn't see him as a first-choice centre-half for Celtic. If you could get McKenna for like £2 million to come in and replace Samunovic, that's probably good business. Same with Hickey. I think that what's important for Celtic is that they establish, well, as Sermani mentioned, sorry, retaining the most important key members of the squad, so Forster, Eddie, but establishing where it is that you might need to spend money. And so I think that for Celtic, that's going to be a left-back, a centre-half, and probably probably a left-winger, because we're actually quite light for wingers now, uh, presuming that Elianus is not coming back. thing about Turnbull, I watched a fair bit of Turnbull uh, last season, well, season before this one just ended, and genuinely, the guy looked like the real deal to me. Just from watching him, like for ninety minutes, he two footed, you know, creative player, really kind of almost like kind of Christie esque in his in his energy. So man is absolutely right. His knee could be totally goosed, but then Yuzo's knee is still probably goosed. Like I think I think if we can get these guys for million, a couple of million each. In the grand scheme of things, it's probably a risk worth taking. I don't understand why clubs like Bayern Munich are being uh, linked with Hickey, though. Hickey, it? I mean, he's, what, 17? He think he turns 18 this week. And he's just a kid. You know, like, even... I, I, genuinely, that, that baffles me. Um, I know a lot of folk in the, the group chat are kind of torn on Hickey. I don't think he's ready at all. I certainly don't think he's an upgrade on Taylor or Ball and Goalie. I mean, there's another guy like Bolly Ball and Goalie still at the club, so far out of the picture last season. But we've got a, I think us with our eyes can see how good he is and what he brings to the team. He just wasn't getting a look in at all. So it looks like it's Taylor. Maybe Hickey's coming in to back him up. Is Bolly on the way out? I'll tell you who I hope definitely doesn't get signed is another man on the list you sent round, Louis. A big lump. Yeah, striker for Livingston, Lyndon Dykes. I mean, okay, if he if he's been brought in, I'm assuming it's just to toughen up Julian a wee bit in training. But that's the only reason I would sign that guy. That he is the archetypal Ranger signing, a player that's given a Celtic centre half a wee bit of grief a couple of times, can get it done in Scotland. I think that that's the sort of move that, that they would go for. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I think that's just purely paper talk. I think that's a load of nonsense. It, it'll, it'll be him, or perhaps this is the year that the prophecy finally comes true. Finally, the man to stop the ten, Lawrence Shanklin, finally makes his way to Ibrox. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they 
if they made a move for him. Lyndon Dykes, we've seen it all before. Chris Killen, um, Nadir Shifty, you know, a, a guy, a guy who's wasn't that, it wasn't very good for other SPFL clubs, but niggled at us or niggled at Rangers, and therefore we've assumed that they can make the step up. Willow Flood, I know he wasn't a striker, but it's it's guys who shined brightly against either us or them. Now Shifty scored against them against them a few times, and with a Dykes who's been a real handful for our centre halves. That doesn't that, that doesn't equate to a player who could play for us. And it, it would be a real mistake. I mean, what would it do? Would it maybe guarantee us a few more points against Livingston? Maybe. I think the biggest yeah, it might be worth it. We're going for the ten here, man. Well, also, to be fair, they're they're amongst the only points we dropped last season, so maybe that's not a bad <laughs> shout. I, I, I assume it was the pitch more than Lyndon Dyke's silky soccer skills, but we'll leave it at that. I think um, the the tumble one, I think, is the, the hickey one. I can understand. I think the hickey one you'll get the benefit of in a few years' time. I mean, arguably, all of these kind of do that in terms of you know hickey tumble and McKenna is you. You would hope to sell them on just like we do most of the time. We kind of buy them at the start of their career and sell them on after a couple of years. I think the Tumble one's interesting because when we thought he was coming, I think everybody at that point thought that he would probably be the replacement of Incham. Um, and then obviously it fell through. And in the year that's been, and Cham actually came on to a bit of a game. But I think most people, and we talked about this last week, if we're going to sign one, and it can't be Eddie now, because they can't, they can't do that now after everything with a with season ticket, um, surely. If there's going to be any one of them, it might be in Cham that goes, and then you're buying the replacement that you always had for him in the first place. I know it's a gamble, but I think you're, you're not going to be paying you know, 3.2 million that you were before. You know, it's it's going to be a, a season ticket which gets you all the Celtic games and a hundred grand. <laughs> that's that's added value, David Turnbull. Added value. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I said this the other day on the agenda that I made I, I put my money where my mouth was. I made a bold prediction that of the three that the three big assets that Celtic have that you might consider them at risk of selling this summer: Chris Ayer, Olivier, and Cham and Eddie. I think that the only one of those three that's going to go is in Cham, just because he had expressed a desire for career progression and then he'd sort of acquitted himself well this season and I, I could just see it happening. And if that's the case, then Turnbull is a, an adequate player to add to your team. Yes, it's a gamble, but Celtic are relatively strong in that area of the pitch. The one thing I wanted to mention when you're talking about Lyndon Dykes, I don't want, really want to see Celtic going after another striker after they've just spent like 2.6 or 7 million or whatever it was on Clamalla. I'd quite like to see him giving some game time. Like I endlessly joke about Bayo, but they, they have four strikers at the club and they don't necessarily need another. I would like to see Celtic focus on areas of the, the squad that really need strengthened. And I would also like to see Clamalla and Soro perhaps be given a chance to integrate. I would agree. I think if, see if Klamala and Bio aren't better than Lyndon Dykes, we should never have signed them in the first place. You know what I mean? They've surely got to be better. Um, just a, a couple of points, um, Samani, I think you were going to come in possibly anyway, but I just wanted to know, you know, I think Stuart mentioned a few positions there. Where do we actually need to strengthen? Where do you think we're weak? I mean, we've obviously, we've had a number of players leave and, you know, 
previous loans, you're never guaranteed to gonna get you're gonna get those players back. I think Moy El Yunusi looks as if he's probably not gonna come back now. Where do you think we are weak? And also in general, for everyone, with this season, with the way Europe is, it's the ten season. We don't know what the state of European football is going to be like. We might have to just shop locally and, and domestically. Are we kind of at the point now where this window and what we're going to do in the next year isn't really going to be of a mind of Europe? It's really just about this league campaign and the, and the domestic football. And then we need to sign players to fit that bill. Or do we always just look at Europe? Um. Before we touch on where we need to strengthen and the points in Europe, just on in Cham, I, I would be really hesitant for him to go. See, I think it was booted last week. You get Forster and El Yunusi for in Cham. That's a question. See, just selling in Cham and then not replacing them or even replacing them with Turnbull. That's a big risk in the nine, in the ten season, if you will, for me. So we'll, we'll, we'll put that there, put that to one side. Where are we weak? Paul's touched on it. We're weak down the left, all all uh, up and down the left flank, at left back. We've got Ball and Golly, who I was never ever fully convinced by. I'm not convinced by Taylor. I'm not convinced by Hickey if he comes in. Um, Johnson, I think, is a phenomenal talent. But I still think there's a bit of refinement to do to, to go before he could come into the first team and, and make it his own. And obviously, El Yunusi might not be there. I think we're really quite light there. Um, so I'd like to see his strength in there. Um, in terms of European football, we can't underestimate next to the match day revenue. That's our biggest source of income, or it might even be bigger, but it's not guaranteed. So it's not something that we can dismiss. It's not something that we can ignore. We don't know what's going to happen in terms of qualification and all that sort of stuff, but it's still there. Of course, the focus is on the 10. See if we went into the Champions League, um, or whatever way, I don't know how it's going to work, but we were put out fairly early, but we were still going strong uh, domestically. I think the club would quickly forget about that. So it's there. We need it for the income stream, but we all know what's going to preoccupy the minds of the support this season. Getting our stream to work. <laughs> uh, I agree with all of that. Um, I mean, see if I could just see if, if money wasn't a problem. I actually wouldn't care about Europe this season. I just want to win ten. Really, like to be this close. Um, yeah, you, Europe. I don't know. I don't even really enjoy European matches that much anymore. I find a lot of them. I mean, we had some decent games this year. The Lazio games were excellent. It was you know it was good beating Ren, but. We found a level this year with the Europa League. Yeah, I think that's where we're at. So does that add a huge amount to the season? Aye, it's good fun, but it's not as sweet as winning the league, winning the Scottish Cup. Um, in terms of strengthening the squad or, or potential weaknesses, um, for me, the, the two key bits of business, and I think you mentioned them earlier, Louis, is getting Eddie to sign an extension, even just another year, just to ensure that he's going to be here for the whole of the 10 season. And a goalie, and it's got to be Fraser Forster because that man was phenomenal for Celtic this season. I mean, I think Eddie arguably played of the year, but but Fraser Forster was he just had so many important games. I feel really, really confident with him in at the back. Probably Craig Gordon's away. Scott Bain, I don't think is is up to it as a number one. 
Um, so getting those two locked down is key. And then I look in the left. I mean, I'd love to see Mikey Johnson get get a chance to to make that kind of left wing position his own. But he's still growing, and you know the amount of injuries he gets. You know, it's going to happen to a young guy that age. Look at James Forrest, for example. So he's we can't rely on him being there all season. So who plays there when he's injured? You know, is, is it putting Forrest out in the left to cut inside? It's not as effective as he is on the right. Is it Christie? Kind of Christie's better in the middle. So and then again, we don't know whether we're going to play a three at the back or four at the back this season. So uh but but getting goalie and Eddie locked down. I think we'd do a lot for kind of setting our setting us because we've got a good we've got a good squad, right? We've got a really good squad. I want to hand over to Christopher Sermani, who has the solution of solutions, the absolute best player in the world. He's probably looking for a job. We all know who's out there, who has an affinity for the club, who is a phenomenal, phenomenal football player. Right. And, and, it's Paddy Roberts. Can be you back know, at, back in back. to be an understudy to James Forrest again. No, I, I co-sign that. I co-sign that with Armani. I think he's. I love that guy. You he's could charge what you could charge what you want for your digital season ticket if they bring back Paddy Roberts. <laughs> I know I'm not a season ticket holder, and I know I'm throwing fifty thousand people under the bus, but I fucking love Paddy Roberts. Could you imagine this? Right, they do a big promo. Dark Celtic Park lights come on silhouette of two players in the middle of the pitch and it just says here for the 10 and the lights go on to them and it's Eddie and Paddy Roberts boom honestly just got shivers mate that was amazing imagine that no one would complain take my money do what you want with it fantastic that's you just flip flopped on Paddy you're locked in you're a fan brilliant (laughs) he's, he's a nice wee guy and he needs a job on a serious note, it's not a bad shout because the one thing that Celtic are constantly after as well is someone to push Forrest to maybe get the best out of Forrest. And if they are, look, I kind of agree with you on, on all those kind of points about the areas that need strengthened, especially. I think Paul makes a good point that if Celtic are planning on playing a 3 5 2, they're going to need additional centre halves. But a player like Roberts, who's seen that the grass is not always greener and that he could come back and be adored by literally no one playing behind closed doors football. Um, unfortunately this year would be a, a great addition uh, so that's and you'd have to presume that Man City would be open to I don't know a, a deal having it's not really come to fruition his development he's not even getting game time when he's going out on these loans I think it was Norwich and then Middlesbrough so they could just cut their losses and uh, and that would be glorious do you he think could come if, back and be a legend? Genuinely, the guy could be a legend if he if he's depends how of his attributes are. You know, when you're not playing first team football for that long, that's my only concern. Is is he still got it? But you know what? I think it's the kind of guy that some players like Fraser Foster. They're just a match for Celtic. You know, they're just it's it's like a beautiful relationship, and they just come in. It's the perfect combination. And I feel like that way with Paddy Roberts. So just, anyway. just on Fraser Foster, I don't normally have this platform. That, that I do when I'm behind the paywall but I just wanted to make it clear that not only is Fraser Forster an incredible goalkeeper he's a wonderful tipper and he left 100% tip in my work which is to this day a record oh Ken Elman do you I, mind disclosing how much it was or can you, can I, you... do you know what he's such a nice guy I would it was uh, it was like 50 or 60 quid really like I a legend f- 
Fair play. I mean, they did say he's on that fucking screamer of a contract down at Southampton, so he's literally just giving his money away. Did you have to put it in a jar or did you put it in your pocket? I wasn't there, unfortunately. It was my oh, colleague who bought it, but it got split evenly because Fraser Forster's a man in the people and he saw that his money was going to be distributed fairly amongst the staff and he said, please. What, what a legend. Um, one, one thing I was going to, just before we kind of start to wrap up, but you know, last time we had a break um, was the obviously the winter break that we had in the season where we just came off the back of the the Rangers defeat and um, you know we knew that something had to change and in that period of time the coaching staff came up with this 3-5-2 changed the system a bit um, and we got the rewards of it um, when when play resumed do you think there's something like that going on just now? I mean what do you what do you guess that, I mean, we know what the players have been doing the players have just been trying to you know, keep ticking over and doing as much as they can in terms of fitness. Anybody what I hazard, I guess, to what they think the coaching staff would have been doing? I mean, surely they would have been coming up. I mean, th- there's a potential there that they could have settled on a formation. They might have come up with something different. They might have a, you know, I'd like to think that maybe this whole, the whole question of is it four at the back, is it the three at the back, I'd kind of want that answered. I think that they're going to spend this summer just changing it back, just to fuck with Steven Gerrard. Just when he got prepared for this three, he's like, what, what? They've gone back. No, um, I'm not sure what they're doing, but I think it's a good point to echo what you said last week, Samani, that whatever they're doing, I really hope that they're not doing it by halves or taking it lightly because I think that it would be very easy to, given Rangers' sort of second half collapse there and given the ultimately dominant points tally that Celtic had come the end of the season it'd be easy to assume that this season would be a formality uh, if both both clubs are there and we're looking we're all having a laugh at Hadji and we're having a laugh at Camberry and that being the sort of player they're bringing in but you know it's just too important to take to not take seriously and to not take them as a threat because going into that Dubai break after the 29th plenty of folk here amongst our support, thought that the league was gone. Thought that, that they've got our number in, in these Glasgow derbies and that they had the consistency. And obviously we went up a gear and, and they, their arse collapsed. But I just hope that nobody thinks that it's just going to be a procession because that kind of attitude is 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 not good. I agree, totally. Um, complacency will be our biggest enemy this season. Um and you, you only look, need to look at what happened when the tables were turned. Um, the, our hunger. Now we made key additions. We made Henrik and you know guys like Craig Burley and Lambert play out their skins that season. Um, Mark Reaper. You can't underestimate somebody like Reaper and the importance he had. But it was our hunger. It was our desire. Our insatiable, you know, need to stop the ten and. Whatever you think of our uh, opponents across the city, they're obsessed with stopping us as much as we're obsessed with getting it. And sometimes that can be a great level. Um, do, 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 do you think it's the same in the players, though, Samani? Because I, I think that was an attitude that was felt in the dressing room when Celtic were trying to stop it, not just in the stands. But do you think... I don't know if I get that from the, their players, to be honest. I mean, you, if you think back to during the season that we just had, Tavenier coming out, captain coming out saying they've not got the bottle, they've not got the men. 
I don't know if they're up for it. I don't know if they've got the same hunger. You just need to assume they do, Lee. I mean, I, no, I, I know, hi. I know what you mean. Think about it the other way. That See, the last time around, that Rangers team was packed with what you would call Rangers men, you know, who spoke for the people in the stands, you know, and they still couldn't get it over the line, you know? And I mean, I've said this before, and I think other people have said it, I think having somebody like Janssen in charge helped, in hindsight, that removal of emotion that Burns would have had. I mean, everybody here would have loved Tommy Burns to have stopped the 10, but I've got a feeling that it just was too, it was too much for him. Do you know what I mean? So it might be that that detachment, that emotional detachment helps them. So I'm just worried about, I mean, that might just be guesswork, but I'm just worried about complacency. We've got guys in our dressing room that know what it means. Really, really we do. Got a manager who knows what it means. Um, but that doesn't mean that you just write them off no matter what you think of them. I think we just got to keep our house in order first and foremost, you know, concentrate on ourselves, concentrate on being prepared, concentrate on just being firing on all cylinders and remembering what's at stake this season. It's disappointing that we've lost Damien Duff in the backroom staff because, you know, from what you can gather, he was, he's was he been quite instrumental in I think just making his play better. I mean, I don't know whether it's got anything to do with the fact that we scored more goals from set pieces, certainly from corners. Um, set pieces improved quite a bit this year. Um, and that's a guy with massive international experience and he's played for, you know, huge clubs, Chelsea, etc. Um, I agree with that, Paul. Uh, sorry, just before you move on, I agree with that. I, I, that kind of worried me a wee bit. You know, see all the uphe- upheaval we had in the backroom set up when the rat left, when, when he... Scurried away like the wee rap. I'm not going to go too far, but you know that worried me a wee bit. I don't want there to be another coach. I don't want any sort of like upset or any change behind there. You know, I was quite disappointed to see Damien Duff leave. Yeah, I just think it brought a bit of gravitas to the the backroom staff as well. Um, a guy like that. So, but ultimately, like, surely eyes on the prize this year. It's so much at stake, even even guys in the team that, that aren't maybe, you know, Celtic-minded, maybe didn't grow up Celtic fans. Don't doubt for one minute that, like, Eddie and Cham, Julianne, these guys get it. They get it. They understand the importance of it. And, I mean, I don't know. It's, we, we spend so much time worrying about what Rangers are going to do. And, Savannah, you're right, because, you know, they, they, they've surprised us in the past, and that, that defeat in December was such a sucker punch. I really wish we'd been able to play that game just before lockdown started because I think it would have been the, the acid test as to whether or not this three five two was going to rumble them or you know. Um, but again, that's that's in the past and done. Yeah, it's, I suppose the whole lockdown thing. It could you could you could see it going either way. You know, it, it might have just killed any momentum that they were building as a squad. Um, you know. Or, it might, you could see it as a, a kind of good break for from us in terms of pressure. One last thing before we finish up, because I think we've only got a couple, couple of minutes left. Um, there was something that came up in one of the other podcasts I was listening to on the, the Patreon. If, if you've not subscribed to the Patreon, the Patreon has got, I think, nine podcasts coming up this week alone. There's um, a podcast every day um, with I think one up every day in April and May and another one up every day in June. Um, so there's a lot of stuff there, very kind of wide ranging, lots of different podcasts uh, on it. 
I think it possibly was the agenda, Stuart Duggan, which you're a, a staple of, I'm not sure, but there was a discussion on one of them about Craig Gordon versus Scott Bain, essentially, um, which kind of got my back up a wee bit because, you know, there's a couple of cynics, Christopher Gallagher for one, who absolutely shit on Scott Bain and believe that Craig Gordon is the greatest. Personally, I don't, I'd like to know where everybody stands on this, but I would have Scott Bain ahead of Craig Gordon every day of the week. I think that presuming that the... Oh, there he is. Who's popped on Zoom now, has he? The gaffer. Um, I think that presuming that Forster is one of the main transfer targets of the summer, securing them, even if it's a loan deal, I've heard that mooted, <clears throat> presuming that it's either going to be Forster or a keeper of what they would hope to be equivalent quality, then you, have, then you assume that he's number one. And then if you're looking for just a good number two, then I think Scott Bain is is perfectly perfectly ample. I think that Gordon should move on. The club evidently don't want to offer him a contract. I think his contract's actually expired now and he's still just kind of cutting about, which is a wee bit awkward. It must be just a bit uncomfortable for everyone. Um, but he should decide what he wants to do, whether he wants to get another year or two out of his playing career or whether he wants to become a coach or a pundit or whatever it is he wants to do. Uh, so I think that I think he's been a good servant for the club as well, but I think that Bain is, is adequate cover, especially if you've got Connor Hazard as a third choice. So, man, I remember being on the Bain train? Not me, no. Gosh. No. Your problem, and it always was with Gordon, is that, you know, the enemy of your enemy is your friend. I mean, you threw your weight behind Doris De Vries. You threw your weight behind... Oh, no, come on. Did. You accused me a lot, but I didn't do that. Did. I heard he was a baller. Aye, and you threw your weight behind him. But, see it, right. Do I think Gordon's... A, I don't know if Gordon's a better keeper than Bain now. He certainly was. I mean, Gordon's the third best keeper I've ever seen at Celtic. Gordon was capable of outrageous saves. He had a lot of weaknesses to his game. He ain't going to be a second-choice keeper. He's not going to sit here. So I don't think there's really an argument about it. And it might very well be the case that Gordon slipped because he's quite old now. You know, he's had his time um, at Celtic and, you know, certainly his form, especially when they were trying to make him play football, when the rap was trying to make him do things he was uncomfortable doing, that I think affected him. He was his fucking kung fu and people and all sorts of money, come on. But Bain, Bain's performance against Cluj at the start of the season cemented what I already knew. He's not a Celtic keeper. He's not Celtic class for me. In fact, that's maybe a wee bit unfair. Is he a safe pair of hands as a second choice keeper? Perhaps. But it certainly doesn't excite me. Scott, Scott Payne went on a good run. Remember the game against Rangers he played? And he he saved that one off the line. Brilliant save. He, he went on a good run and I remember being on the podcast and there was a pretty clear consensus of he's now number one. He overtook him. He overtook Craig Gordon as number one because Gordon had some horror shows, especially in Europe, for a while, and then he was replaced by Bain. Was it after a break? Was it after the winter break? Maybe. Um, and Bain went on on the form. I agree that one game in Europe was that did kind of gobble him a bit. But I think of the last like the, the last time that they were kind of had a run of games, I think Bain for me was better than better than Gordon. But there's a reason Lennon went straight out and got Foster. Of course, of it's course. Better than both of them. 
I, I, we would all want Frosta back and he would obviously be number one. I just mean between them two, I just feel as if Craig Gordon is held up for maybe how he was years and years and years ago. But yeah. Craig Gordon, Craig Gordon had mistakes in him throughout his career. He's also capable of making amazing saves. But we've seen we've seen the best of Craig Gordon. Um, Craig Gordon's now at an age where he's he's just he's he's going to get less effective. So it's best for him to move on. Stuart's absolutely right. Scott Bain, fine as a number two. He's you know he's fine. I, I I like I quite like Scott Bain. You know I think he seems like an okay guy. He's like the loose guy. He's like a he's an adequate backup. Um, and he's yeah, he, Zalushka. Come on, sorry, no, no, was rotten. Yeah, that's that's that was a bad, um, that was a bad comparison. But you know what I mean. He's not afraid. He's not afraid of Foster. Um, but uh, I, I would, I would have been over Gordon to answer your question. Well, that is that is all we've got time for this week. It's been a it's been a great show. We've managed to pack a lot in. I know we'd spent quite a bit there talking about the the season ticket renewals, but you know it's it's probably the biggest talking point surrounding the club just now. Um, certainly until the the transfer activity kind of builds up a wee bit. But listen, I thought that was great. Lovely way to spend an evening. Um, and if if you haven't listened to us before or you are not on the Patreon, um. Give us a message and let us know. Um, it'd be good to, and if you can, leave us a wee review on iTunes. iTunes is still a thing. Um, but, Paul, thank you very much for joining us. Cheers, mate. Enjoyed it a great deal. Thank you. Stuart Duggan, great to have you. Um, I really enjoyed it, Louis. And can I just quickly shamelessly plug my new song, Nothing to Lose, that's out tomorrow if anyone wants to go on Spotify and follow The Quilter or follow at the underscore quilter on Twitter. Sorry. Oh, fantastic. Plug away. Thanks for having me. Samani, you get any uh, dodgy products you want to plug? Not that yours was dodgy, Stuart, but you know, I know Samani. I know what he's Mate, got. You have that. to listen to it to see how dodgy it really is, you know. <laughs> what are you selling, Samani? I'm selling um, non-season ticket holder access to any streams that maybe... No, I, I'm kidding. I have, I have nothing to promote. Uh, allegedly. Allegedly. No. Um, no, I have nothing to promote. I have no dodgy products. That was... Uh, outrageous allegation but thanks for having me on your podcast that's us Uh, thanks for listening and we will speak to you down the road